Am I the only one who finds that song kind of catchy? Probably. Okay. Well then, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Growing Up with ADHD. Today's episode is going to be quite uh, intriguing, and I'm pretty excited to be recording this episode for you all because we're going to be talking about teenagers and ADHD. I hope you brought snacks because it's going to be a lot. So think about teenage years. When you hit that stage in your life, buckle your seatbelt, bring down the handlebar because it is a roller coaster ride. So before we begin, let's go over ADHD life's notes. So through this episode, hopefully you'll be able to learn a thing or two about gender differences, social difficulties and peers, parental hardships, and school challenges. So let's get started. So think about teenage years and adolescence. It can be one of the toughest times in a person's life. Think about when you are a teenager or teenagers that you know. It's hard. And there's no denying that. In this stage in a person's life, a person is just beginning to learn who they are and what they want in life. And it's already hard enough being put into the stage and it's already confusing and difficult. So now having ADHD, it just adds another obstacle and it can affect this as well. So first off, looking at stigma, as we talked about stigma in the very first episode in our introduction, stigma is a negative experience for any person to face. No one wants to go through having a label put on them like that. Now, teenagers with ADHD can face this a lot. So so a lot of moms are affected by this as others may see them as quote unquote, bad parents or not raising quote unquote, perfect kids. Now uh, about uh, societally, there's a lot of parent shaming. There's a lot of mom shaming. So thinking about uh, how a child who has a genuine condition of ADHD, that parents uh, can be uh, faced with something like this of uh, being worried or having other people think that they're not fit parents or that they're not raising Like I stated, perfect kids, which no kids are perfect. Just something like that is so unsolicited and so inappropriate. And honestly, maybe people just need to learn to mind their own business because that's not acceptable. And it's not something that people should have to deal with, whether it be the ADHD child or the parents. And what's unfortunate is that this also happens from people saying that ADHD is not an actual disorder. And we went over this a couple of episodes ago, the idea that ADHD is sometimes not seen as something, even though it is a diagnosis that a person can receive. And it's unfortunate that people face this. And imagine with teenagers, this is already such a hard time for them to be going through. Why make it harder by putting this on them as well? And parents themselves are also faced with how different institutions, such as schools, will view their child as quote unquote normal or not. And there can also be a lot of judgment coming from other settings as well. So parents are actually faced with the 
sometimes using parenting skills that would actually create more stigma. Now, along with all of this, the parent-child dynamic in and of itself can also be different. So past research has actually shown that children with the condition are actually more likely to not be as obedient or ask for help, in particular moms. And worse issues can actually arise when there are difficult issues between an ADHD and child, specifically the hyperactive type, and their mom, potentially resulting in having symptoms of oppositional defiant disorder. So you can see how the parent-child dynamic can be something really difficult to work with and what it can result in the future. Parenting relationships are already tough for teenagers, but when you have ADHD, it just adds more to it. Now, let's talk a little bit about medication. We've talked about medication in some previous episodes, and it applies here as well, along with stigma. Medication is something that can help with some ADHD symptoms. However, this is something that can only last for so long as medication does need to be continued in order to be effective. So for this reason, it can result in only quote unquote suboptimal outcomes. So think about it. If medication isn't consistent, it's not going to work it as well. Now, unfortunately, with ADHD children, they may use a medication when they're young, but then they may not care to take it as much once they hit their teenage years. Now, teenagers put a lot of emphasis, uh, emphasis, sorry, little uh, tied there, on their peer relationships. As we all know, teenagers really worry about that social aspect in their life. And some are unfortunately afraid that by taking a medicine, they will be perceived negatively and that they'll be left out. So just think about it. The stigma and the thoughts of taking medication, why wouldn't that terrify a teenager that's already in a difficult difficult position? Gosh, I can't talk today. (laughs) But uh, when they're already uh, dealing uh, with this and now uh, they don't even want to take a medication because... uh, they're self-conscious about how it can be taken by others. It's something that is very real for some teens, and it's not something that they should have to be faced with. Medication should be something that is, of course, their choice, and it's not fair that society has done this to us, that society has created stigma when it comes to mental health like this. Adolescents, as we know, they're just finding who they are and they're trying to fit in with their peers and in the process, having a difficult time with their parents. ADHD just adds to these stressors in a way that can maybe be really difficult on them. Now, as we all know, school is a big part of being an adolescent. So um, thinking about high school, This is kind of the adolescent stage is when teenagers will go through those high school years and then eventually move on to college or whatever path they choose to take. So for teenagers, school can bring about another challenge. So as we discussed in our previous episode, school is not always the right setting for a child with ADHD. They have to sit quietly. They have to pay attention to the teacher in front of the class. And it's not always ideal. High school is something that can be a very difficult for ADHD children. 
And part of the reason for this is because the way high school is set up, it's something that can be hard for these students to follow. Think about high school. There are so many classes and students are switching classes and it can be a lot to make sure that they're prepared for each class, that they're there on a time when organization is something that's uh, hard for ADHD kids. So along with this, students are not always given the one-on-one attention they may need. And at times IEPs may be put into place for the teenager. So as we talked about in the last episode, when school children can be given the resources they need, there's no reason that they can't have the potential to thrive. And the same thing may apply here. Just giving these teens what they need, maybe that could be really helpful. And that's something that schools may need to consider as well. Now, a big part of ADHD, as we all know, is that social aspect. So we're going to get into that in just a moment because that is really important to think about. But before we go into that, let's talk a little bit more. So the thing about ADHD is that the brain chemicals are not always as efficient. So this results in the brain not being able to work as well when it comes to executive functions in the frontal lobe. Now, remember, executive functions are those functions like judgment and decision making. And when you think about the symptoms of ADHD, it kind of goes along with um, how difficult executive functions can be for them, as we discussed in some previous episodes. And even though ADHD is not necessarily seen as a quote-unquote emotional disorder, ADHD has resulted in people having issues when it comes to emotion, behavior, and their people skills, whether it be in their own home, in their workplace, or in school settings. But despite all of this, people are not always very empathetic or kind to those with ADHD due to their challenges with their social skills. And for this reason, ADHD clients can also exhibit feelings of being lonely and rejection from their peers. And then this then results in even more feelings of being isolated. And this, along with the difficulties in school, causes more behavioral problems and more emotional issues. So it's kind of like a domino effect that um, people aren't uh, being very nice uh, to them because uh, of how difficult social skills can sometimes be for people with ADHD. And then that results in them kind of feeling bad and feeling rejected. And that's more isolation. And then that's uh, more hardships in school, more behavioral problems, more emotional problems. And it just, uh, everything kind of keeps uh, falling. So the one thing that I can really think about is just be nice. Like, um, and that's the unfortunate thing is that the way that ADHD is seen, like when you're struggling with social skills, think about how people can act towards you. We unfortunately live in a world that is not always a very nice place. And this is something that unfortunately people with ADHD do face. So if people could just be a little bit kinder, then imagine uh, what that could do. And that's going to put these people with ADHD maybe in a much better position because they don't want to feel in this way. They don't want to constantly feel rejected um, by people. 
And uh, we all want uh, social relationships. And people with ADHD probably do too. So just remember to be nice. That's all. That's all you need to show. And just give them a chance. Now, unfortunately, two-thirds of uh, people with ADHD do experience comorbid disorders, as we've talked about before, such as anxiety, depression, OCD, and ODD, conduct disorder, and bipolar disorder. So a common myth about ADHD, though, is that uh, a person can, quote-unquote, grow out of it. Really, though, up to 70% have signs as well as issues in school, emotion, and social skills. And the reason for this myth is because as children grow up, they do not exhibit that hyperactivity or impulsivity as much and that the signs are not as prevalent as they were in their childhood. So the truth is that even though signs may not be as obvious as they were before, it doesn't mean that the symptoms of ADHD aren't still present. And that's just something really to think about is I feel like a lot of that just comes with growing up. So um, think about young kids, how hyper they can be, how impulsive they can be compared to adolescents who are growing up. Yes, adolescents are still minors. They're still uh, kids. They're not fully adults yet, but they're not so young. They're not little kids anymore. So how many 16-year-olds are you really going to see who are going to be as hyper as they were when they were eight years old? Not very many. So yes, maybe their symptoms aren't as prominent, but the ADHD is still there. So there's no reason to invalidate that or believe that myth. And as we get into later episodes about adults, you're going to see that this truly is a disorder through the lifespan. Hence the title of my master project, ADHD Journey Through the Lifespan. So just thinking about how adolescence is already a difficult time for an individual, for children with ADHD, as I keep saying, it's even harder. And they already have this negative view of themselves. And this, along with the other problems that stem from their ADHD, causes it to be more difficult for an ADHD adolescent to transition into things that are just a part of adolescence in general. So. For example, teens with ADHD have been very concerned and focused on their looks that may be beyond that of a non-ADHD teen. So what it is, is that some of their motor skills are shown in kind of their differences in motor abilities. And all of the factors of ADHD play a role as to why they have difficulty in social settings, resulting in not being invited to join things. So one researcher actually claimed that difficult social relationships still continue because this could be a result of the client's past relationships that may have been negative. So since ADHD adolescents are already suffering from school and social difficulties, copying what their peers do in terms of appearance kind of gives the teen a chance to relate to their peers, which provides them with a sense of solace. 
However, the delays they experience causes hardships in them making and keeping friends, which again is so unfortunate. It's such a stigma. Just because you have this disorder, this is what you're going to face. You're going to feel like you have to be everybody else. You need to do stuff like this to gain your confidence. And as I talk more, you're going to notice that this isn't the life a person with ADHD should be living. Just because they struggle with their social skills does not mean that they're not good people or that they deserve a good friendships or better treatment. And that's something really to consider. Now, kind of going into parenting a little bit and how this relates to the social skills, raising a teenager, as we all know, and if there are any parents out there with teenagers, and if you're a teenager yourself, I just hope that things that get better for you because I know that this is really a tough time in your life. So really trying to parent a teenager is a a difficult task, but raising a teenager with ADHD is a whole other story. And some of these teens do have difficult family dynamics and they also experience more behavioral issues. Think about it though. All teenagers do defy their parents. That's a very teenage thing to do. It's very common with adolescents, but with ADHD teens, it can be even harder. Some of these teens do end up making friends with those who their parents do not always approve of. And since these teens can have a hard time in making and keeping friends, when they do make friends, at times, these relationships do not go beyond that of what they have in school, meaning that they do not see each other outside of school. And this can cause uh, the teens to feel even more separate. So this results in ADHD teens going towards uh, people who exhibit behaviors such as substance use, law breaking, or getting into trouble at school. And these teens don't always consider the repercussions of their actions. And again, I can't imagine what that must feel like, kind of this feeling of these are the people that I'm making friends with, but maybe they're not the best friend choices and it's what they have. So we all want friends. We all want to feel like we belong. So even if it's maybe not the greatest friend group to an ADHD teen, maybe it's something. Why wouldn't they uh, take it after all the social rejection that they face, after the stigma that they face? It's uh, so sad to think about. And since teens with ADHD do have such a hard time in social settings, it can actually put them in difficult positions. So they're actually more susceptible to peer pressure. All teenagers, as we know, go through peer pressure. There's always stories of those teens who end up drinking under peer pressure or smoking or doing anything with the group of people that they're with. Now, these teenagers feel that they have to follow what their peers do in order to make friends and not feel as isolated. So an article by Bluma Littner stated that a lot of non-ADHD teenager friends, they do have more maturity. And unfortunately, a lot of teens at this age, as we know, can be brutal. That's a very adolescent thing that unfortunately kids at this age aren't always very kind. 
Now, Gully and Clickerman, 2002, claim that kids with learning difficulties or ADHD will be picked on and do not always understand how to be with their peers. So at times when they attempt to be with their peers, but then they don't have any success and they may be unaware as to why this is. So again, that's going to kind of that peer rejection piece is imagine just these ADHD teens are trying and then it doesn't work out. Imagine how bad that must make them feel. It's already hard being a teenager and facing that. Now to be a teenager with ADHD and face all you do with your parents, with uh, stigma, school, this is just adding more and more to it. As we're going through this episode, you're probably noticing that, that with teenagers and ADHD, it's uh, just a layer upon layer upon layer of different adversities just on top of uh, just being a teenager. So this desire to be a part of their peer group can unfortunately be taken advantage of as non-ADHD peers may ask them to take part in risky behaviors, and this can then result in the teenager feeling that they are part of the group. However, in reality, they're actually being used, and then they end up in trouble for the actions that they committed. So again, kids at this age are not always... uh, that great. And this is unfortunately something that can potentially happen. Now, wanting to be like everyone else is something that ADHD teens do unfortunately long for, and they keep a lot of their negative emotions to themselves when the people in their lives make their eccentricities known to them. Now, again, this is kind of going to unsolicited comments ADHD people do not need to have people point out what is going on with them. It's uncalled for, it is rude, and it's probably best to just not say anything. So if you really want to be a good person, maybe be a little bit more sensitive. Advice for life. Now, due to the negativity that is unfortunately associated with ADHD, a lot of teens will avoid the fact that they do need help, which this is just devastating. ADHD is a genuine condition that teenagers struggle with, that millions of people struggle with. And just because society is putting this a label on just because of all of these thoughts as to ADHD. That's the reason teens aren't going to get the assistance they need. It shouldn't be like that. They should be able to access uh, whatever they need to be uh, better. They don't deserve this just as they don't deserve all the social difficulties that they're going through. Now, finally, we're going to go over a couple of gender differences. As I go through this, you're going to notice there are some categories that don't have as many gender differences, but there are a couple. So we're quickly going to go through them. So ADHD is something that can occur in both men and women. And girls diagnosed with ADHD are seen as exhibiting more difficulties, specifically in attention. And women during adolescence seem to have less agency and worse coping skills. And during adolescence, though, depression and anxiety can be greater. And girls are also faced with more adversity due to their ADHD in areas such as school, cognitive functions, and psychosocial. So kind of going back to the mental illness piece, girls during adolescence 
are at higher risk for certain mental health issues in their lives, such as anxiety, depression, substance use, etc. And I kind of think about societal expectations. Think about how society has told girls to be and just what women have faced historically. And so... As we've talked about comorbidities with ADHD, we have said that those are all um, disorders that people with ADHD can have in the future. And with girls, it's no surprise that unfortunately it is higher for them, especially when they have ADHD. So specifically when thinking about adolescence, studies have shown that girls with ADHD have less self-esteem and are more impacted by experiences that are negative. And in adulthood, ADHD clients are shown to have trouble in multiple parts of their life, including not feeling good about themselves, not having the best coping skills, and not having much hope in their future. So although the disorder does affect both men and women, it can look slightly different, but in terms of cognition, girls are more likely to have speaking difficulties and intellectual deficits, while teenage boys have trouble with speed processing. So even though there are some differences, studies have have indicated that between men and women, specifically with ADHD, there aren't as many cognitive differences. And these deficits are shown to be present throughout the person's life, hence the reason why ADHD is a lifelong disorder. So get rid of that idea in your head that it's only for kids because it's not. But yeah, those are just a couple of gender differences to think about. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you made it towards the end, then snaps to you because this was a big one, but I had a lot of fun going through this and just remember, just be kind to people with ADHD, just to give them a chance That's all they need. And if there's one thing that you get out of this episode, just remember to be nice. That's all because nobody wants to face these social difficulties like that. No one wants to have people look at them this way. So just give people with ADHD and teenagers with ADHD respect and a little bit of a warmth because... They shouldn't have to face this. They should be able to get what they need and they should feel like they have people around them because everybody deserves that. And teenagers with ADHD do as well. So that's it. Just keep that in mind. Think about it. Food for thought. But thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you guys in another episode. Bye.